Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss moguls, peanut butter, and the New York Times. But first, a word from our sponsor. Imagine if you could order an extra bedroom for guests that you could remove after they leave. That's the idea behind Lenovo's next-generation data centers built for cloud computing. Lenovo servers are number one in reliability and performance because you don't have time for downtime. And Lenovo server systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com slash data center. Tomorrow is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. Listening on your phone? Now you can pay while you listen using the same device. Just tap and go. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible city consumer credit cards and debit cards. My guest today is an old friend, a great friend, one of my favorite people in the world. He's also a talented musician, a member of the band Tan Lines, and hosts his own podcast called No Effects. This is the most professional intro I've ever done for anybody. I'm, of course, talking about my good buddy, Jesse Cohen. Hi, that was great. I love that. Thank you for being here, Jesse. Thanks for having and me. Thank you for allowing me to do the most professional. I think Ryan can attest to this, the easiestly the most professional and At no competent. point did you call him sexy. Or no really. sexy. <laughs> One take. I know this guy. I don't need to call him sexy. I appreciate it. Because I find him very unattractive. <laughs> uh, anyhow, Jesse, uh, here's the funny thing. Jesse, I was like, oh, so it's Monday, the Monday following the VMAs. That's the Video Music Awards that's put on by um, MTV. And uh, and uh, I thought, who would be great to talk to you about uh, music? My good musician friend and performer, Jesse. And it turns out Jesse didn't really watch the v- He didn't watch I, the VMAs at all. I haven't watched it in years. <clears throat> he's got a kid. He's, uh, he's busy reading, presumably. Books. Probably doing a crossword catching up on what were you doing Yorkers. what were you doing last night i I'm curious Sunday watched night. uh i'm watching the americans now oh everybody's talking yeah, about the americans I just, we started watching it i don't know okay i don't know i mean i want to like it i do i think it's very interesting i, I like the actors you like the era Lo- yeah i mean I, I guess so yeah you know i haven't watched the vmas in, in years actually and i i have some i've one question I have, and I, this isn't why I don't watch it, but one thing I don't understand about the VMAs is who decides on who wins and why. It, my understanding is it's just a decision that they make. Well, let's let's actually let's actually drill into that a little bit. They gave out <clears throat> last night on the awards show. They gave out, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, because I know you will. I want to say they gave out four awards. I think it was like five, and one of yeah. them was with, at the pre-show. They gave Fifth Harmony Award outside the building. <laughs> See, I like that. I, I think that's. I think that's good. I would say that the award part of it yeah. is is really more of a, a notion. It's more of a suggestion that that we're they're gathered there for a reason. Let's just call it an awards. Show. Yeah, and that's actually what the Grammys are becoming too. Um, it was all about performances. Good. You did watch some of the performances. I did. Partially I, on your own and partially at my request. I, as soon as you asked me to be on the show, I wrote back. I said, by the way, I didn't watch the VMAs last night. And I actually thought while I was watching the Americans, boy, I'm <laughs> glad that I don't have a job where I have to watch the VMAs. <laughs> it's it's perfect. I think it was just perfect timing uh, and real kismet. Um, 
at any rate, so I thought, like, Jesse, I'm going to have this musician, like, you know, guys always following music, knows everything that's going on. Has a podcast where I talk to musicians. Has literally a podcast, No FX, which is spelled just the way you say it, not like No FX, the band. Mm-hmm. Although it is a play on the, it's it a is. play on the band. It's a, it's a play are on you, the band. Are you a fan of the band No I, FX? I, I was, yeah. Were you? I was when Can I was describe, a kid. I don't know that I've ever, and this is going to sound probably very embarrassing for me, because I'm, I'm supposed to be like a guy who knows music. Maybe. No, it actually will make you sound cool. So go I've on. Ever, I think I've ever heard yeah. a no effects song. That's, yeah, that's because when you were a teenager, you were into the rave scene. I was into rave culture and rave, rave, culture. rave music. Yeah, and no, I was into just, suburban, terrible pop punk music. You, is that what they are? They're yeah. like Blink-182? Like Blink yeah, they're less poppy than Blink-182. Ryan, I suppose you can intersperse here a little snippet of whatever the most popular no effects <laughs> song is. <laughs> Can they're you, they're like Blink-182 without the songs. <laughs> <laughs> so like Blink-182, but not catchy. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's their most popular song? Like, What's the big NoFX hit that everybody knows? Like, like I have everybody knows no Fugazi idea. is like The Waiting Room. That's like the song. Like I can read you the Google's top hits for them, and you're not going to know any let of them. Yeah, let me hear a couple. I, Let's hear a couple. Sticking in my eye. No. Don't call me white. Uh, I think I know that one. The separation of church and skate. No. <laughs> this is really not slow what down, I wanted to down. talk about. But okay. I can do well, it. I can handle then, it. Then you're having a yeah. tomorrow experience. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Don't call me white is a song. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's called can Don't we, Call Me White. Yeah. Can we get, can we hear the lyrics from Don't Call Me White? I just want to get a little taste. Oh, I would love to. Uh, uh, it goes, don't call me white. Don't call me white. Don't call me white. Don't call me white. The connotations wearing my nerves thin. Could it be semantics generating the mess we're in? I understand the language breeds stereotype. Wow. But what's the explanation for malice? For the spite? Don't call me white. Don't call me white. Right. Wait, 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 wait. The best way going up. <laughs> I wasn't brought here. I was born circumcised, categorized, allegiance sworn. Uh. Does this mean I have to take such shit for being fair skinned? No, I ain't part of no conspiracy. I'm just your average Joe. <laughs> I'm going to skip over the chorus. Represents no. <laughs> everything I hate. <laughs> no, I like that's enough. I think that's enough. I think we're good. <laughs> On don't call me white. I hope I'm not expected to defend anything <laughs> no. about that. <laughs> You're not expected to defend it at all, but that's uh, you know the song. I do know that song. <laughs> yeah. Was there, was there, I don't I know. I think it was on, I had a couple, I, I think that's on Punk and Drublick, was which was their best album. Punk and Drublick is, is a famous yeah. famous album title. Yeah, I think it was on that one. Uh, I feel like I can actually almost picture the cover of Punk and Drublick. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, I'm just going to, it's like, I would say there's a kind of a silhouette, a side view of a person with like a mohawk of some type. Oh, no, nope, not at all. Not at all what I was thinking. Do they have an album like that at all? I wonder. Ryan can find it. I think they're still um, doing exactly that. Where are they from? Day. Do you know? I don't know. I want to say Boston. Does that sound right? I would you? say California. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, no. <laughs> so how did you how did you end up listening to No Facts? How does that happen? I grew up in the suburbs in the in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, the, you, know, you were lucky it, where I grew up if that if you found that band. Like that was considered you were very fortunate if what, what, were like your, that. what were your classmates listening to? Uh Cannon Crows. Great Dave great Matthews music. band. All great. These are all great songwriters and great songs. It's true. Uh, I mean, I think I think we could agree that probably in terms of like standing the test of time, Counting Crows will be with us longer than No Effects. 
Yes. Right? Yes. Dave Matthews Band is like herpes. Once you've gone through college, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> That's like, is that something from a routine? No, I just, I just said that. That's just off the, off the top of your head, really? Mm, yeah. It's impressive. It almost feels like a rehearsed bit, Ryan. I wish it, I wish it were. I'd have a better act. <laughs> At any rate, so but your podcast is called No Effects. Correct. No relation to the band itself. It's a, it's a play on. On the, As you said, on, on, yeah, on, it, it on involved, but it's also it's my interview style, much like your interview style. We're not putting any effects on this, yeah, uh, literally or figuratively. Neither one. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, Straightforward and raw. So tell me about talk about a little bit about. Uh, we are going to talk about go back to the VMAs, but to explain talk about a little bit what you do on your podcast. It's a lot like this show, but I talk to people who do music mostly. I do music also. My band Tan Lines. And uh, you used to do music. Did I you just, ever do interviews uh, when you were a DJ? Yeah, yeah, I did a few. Um, disclosure, great <laughs> band. <laughs> uh, they have never been on the show. My brother have not been on either of these shows. My brother is a member of Tan Lines also. That's right. Uh, anyhow. But, and I uh, met you and your brother the same same day. Same day, that's yeah. right. Uh, Jesse was in a band called Professor Murder which uh, just celebrated its uh, 10 10-year anniversary. <laughs> yes. I saw uh, one of the members put uh, Tony put it on, uh, put a like a tagged me on Facebook, which is a weird way to celebrate any kind of anniversary. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been 10 years since the record we produced together, the EP. Wow. Which is called Professor Murder Rides the Subway. That's right. Featuring uh, such standout hits as uh uh, free stress test. Free stress test. Yes. <laughs> we'll be playing it in full on tour <laughs> in the fall. Are you going on tour? We're doing the <laughs> we're doing the tenth anniversary tour. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to play the four and a half songs in their entirety, and then it's incredible. Uh, it's wonderful. Anyway, yeah, so, so yeah, we met the same day in uh, uh, I guess about ten years ago at your studio. Yeah, at our studio, now defunct, destroyed studio, which has been turned into a halfway house. Correct uh, in Brooklyn. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was as, as most studios uh, are. Yeah, it went from a most of the way house to a halfway house. <laughs> yeah, isn't the difference between a studio yeah. and a halfway house is that people know whether or not you're doing drugs? Yeah, <laughs> is that from? It's about that, a quarter. Is that or a so? reverse yeah. also? Very good. Nope, he's on fire. He's on fire today. over there. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, so no, I do a ton of interviews, and everyone who does music does, and most of them I think are pretty bad, pretty boring. I think. In general, if you not would, a great promotion for the show. Well, not my. That's why I started the oh, show. Oh, you mean other interviews are boring? In general, I would say that interviews with musicians are more uninteresting than they should be. Okay, and I think that that tends to be. And musicians in general don't like doing interviews right. because you get asked the same questions yeah. over and over again. And basically, I wanted. I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I wanted a show where. Unless you're right now, unless you're famous enough to be on fresh air, pretty much no one will just sit and talk to you for an hour if you're a musician. Zane Lowe. Okay. Unless you're famous enough to be on <clears throat> Zane Lowe. His interviews are some of the worst, in my opinion. I, I've never, actually, I've never listened oh, to Oh, really? Him. Yeah. On well, if you want to hear a bad interview, listen to Zane Lowe. Yeah. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm not one to talk. I think most people probably think I'm terrible at interviewing. So, uh, but you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's why I, I started my own show. Just, and basically I just sit down with people and we talk for, it's a lot like this. We talk yeah. for a while and at the end of it, everyone, pretty much everyone who's on the show is like, uh, that was great. I would do that again. Yeah. I, I, or my favorite, I should have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's, good, that's a good reaction. <laughs> yeah. That is good. It's like, oh, this, this wasn't terrible. Yeah. I enjoyed this. 
So that's what the show is. So who did you? Who's the last person you had on? Uh, Cass McCombs. Oh, Cass McCombs. Yeah. Uh, I really liked a Cass McCombs record called, I think it's called Prefection. Yeah, love from, that album. Uh, I want to say it's from like 2003 or something. Sounds right. Great record. Yeah. Very good. I have no idea what Cass McCombs is up to now. He's made I should listen five, to your or si- five or six albums since then that are fairly similar. And is he Canadian? Also good. He's from California. Okay, close. Yeah, no, close. Um, I had Tegan and Sarah on recently. Huge stars. Yeah. Toured with Taylor Swift. Yeah, and Neil Young. And Neil Young. Yeah. Uh, and At, when they first started out. And the less interesting, less important Neil Young. Right. Um, and they just released a record. It's called... Uh, Love You to Death. Love You yeah. to Death. Mm-hmm. You know, Laura's a big Tegan and Sarah fan. Okay. She didn't love the record. Really? Yeah. I think it's really good. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Do you feel like your opinion of that is colored by your uh, interaction with them? Uh, well, it, my opinion is colored by the fact that I would pretty much never say anything negative about a musician in any public forum. Really? Yeah. Oh, why? Because there are lots of people who do that regularly. And <laughs> as a musician, like I I don't think it's my job to do that. Even if you I, hate something. I generally don't hate anything like, when it comes uh, to music. What about either? like oi music? What about oi bands? Screwdriver, for instance. A racist punk <laughs> yeah, band from yeah. the 80s? Okay. Yeah. That, that, you found my you found the line, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Your weakness? You found my weakness. Yeah. But I, I'm just happy that I could think of the name Screwdriver. You, you did it really you did it suspiciously quickly, I would say. <laughs> well, I have a pretty amazing screwdriver cassette collection. So <laughs> I, oh, you don't and know this about me. I love screwdriver cassette collection. I love oi music. You yeah. didn't know that about me? I, I didn't. I mean, almost nobody who's listening to this even knows what oi music is, I assume. I also think, in defense of oi music, I not think to it's dis- not, not racist. To the listeners, I, and I don't way. think screwdriver were an oi band. Screwdriver, I think, were classically considered to be an oi band and are definitely racist. I, I think they were definitely racist. Okay, we agree on okay. that. But I think that oi music, and I never listened to it, but I think they were defined by being anti- anti-racist skinheads is that true ryan can we get a uh, wikipedia well, while you work on that um so <laughs> is yeah, that true, no, is that true? Actually, uh, i'm actually surprised to hear that i actually no i really yeah, don't it said skinheads in the first paragraph no, of wikipedia but anti-racist <laughs> anti-racist, anti-racist can we just re- get here though let me just hear the whole first paragraph. which is a idiotic Oi is a subgenre of punk rock that originated in the United Kingdom in the late 1970s. The music and its associated sub together uh, and its associated subculture had the goal of bringing together punks, skinheads, and other working class mm. youth. Okay, it's a good beginning, not not totally uh, clear. I'm right about this. I can feel it already. Just go to the subheading well, on it racism. Well, says liter- lyrical topics included unemployment, workers' rights, harassment by the police, and other authorities. They were left wing of the government. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, What's yeah, the, but uh, I don't know. I feel like British left wing and race are. Sure. Right. Hey, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Fair point. Ugh. Fair enough. Okay, so we're I'm not get, entirely sure. Oh, here's not one. Racist. It says featuring the business Forskin's last resort was a neo-Nazi event. Although some of the oh. music goers hmm. were neo-Nazi or BM supporters, none of the performers were white power music bands. Okay, well, it's an important distinction. <laughs> There's left wing skinheads, black skinheads. It. I mean, I think it just. Can looks, I just um screwdriver? Can you look up screwdriver and oh, see if God. there are. <laughs> It's with a K, by the way. Our screwdriver uh, considered oi. That's a big question. Okay, that's a good way. That'll to get be a to good. Answer. But no, the truth is, okay. Other than a band like that, I, I just don't. I generally don't 
talk shit about other music. Yeah, it says oi. Yeah. Oh, okay. I lost it. Damn. Ooh, that's right. rough. That's I'm rough. down one. I'm yeah, down one. Bringing it all the way back around. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's their logo. That doesn't feel. Yeah, that, I feel no, threatened. They're, they're definitely, no, they're they're definitely, definitely but racist. Does it say that they're oi? Yes, in the okay. first paragraph. All right. All right. Okay. Fair enough. But here's, here's what's funny. I learned about screwdriver and oi music on MTV. Interesting. They did a report, an MTV news report about oi music. Uh, it might have been part of 120 Minutes. I can't remember. But that's, so, I mean, to go full circle, like that's how deep MTV was in the 90s mm. on talking about music. Mm. And last night, not as deep. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but also uh, probably more enjoyable. Yeah, how was the show? You didn't see any of it? You saw some performances. I woke up and I watched the Kanye uh, speech, moment. Speech. Yeah, <clears throat> and then the Beyonce moment and uh, one Rihanna performance. So Rihanna, here's the strangest thing. Rihanna won the Vanguard or was given the Vanguard Award, which is the Michael Jackson Vanguard Award. It's like a... Uh, what do they call the Oscars? It's like a... Lifetime uh, Achievement Lifetime Award. Achievement that's which is weird because Rihanna's twenty eight. <laughs> well, the yes. other ones are Beyonce and Britney Spears. It's not like they're giving it yeah. out to like. Well, Rihanna was, already has more hits than Michael here's Jackson. A Tina Turner <laughs> lifetime achievement. Yeah. Is that the same thing? It feels like they're definitely giving it out to people who are still very popular, which is odd. But um, you know, it's not like they're giving it to like you know Lionel Richie, which would make sense because he's been making music for you know a hundred years. Um, Rihanna had to perform four times three times which is weird no no that's what i'm saying it's like i've she had to do an inch opening she did the opening performance in which she was wearing a hood by air ringer t-shirt that's the one i saw yeah yeah and also she's wearing like hospital shoes with feathers on them or something or or, or like fur which i thought was great but very 90s um and then she performed in the middle of the show and then closed the show essentially with uh with two a, in the middle Two performances. Yeah, she's four performances. I don't understand this. Like, you're getting, you're, you're being given this, you're being lauded as this great uh, 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 artist, and you've got to, like, you know, war, you got to, like, do a per- four performances to get the award. It seems very strange to me. Uh, that would have been something, as a former MTV employee, that would have been something she asked to do. Like, Britney Spears got it, that. and she I don't she believe didn't Rihanna asked to do four performances. I would think that she might have. Really? You think she was like, I'd love to perform four times yeah. tonight? Yeah. yeah. I think I think if she could have had the entire show to herself, she would have wanted that. It's the maximum exposure. Well, the important thing about Rihanna was that there's this huge controversial moment between her and Drake. Did you oh, see this? No. The swerve. Well, it's very... So I don't know what's going on. Are they dating? Ryan, do you know? I think they are low-key dating, but it's not great for either of them to be like, I'm in a... Real, like, you're either Beyonce and Jay-Z, right. or it's better to be a free agent. Yeah. And I think at the moment, she was like, why are, why are you proposing to me on the VMA? I think, I think there was a lot... There was a lot of chatter on Twitter. You weren't paying attention because you were watching The Americans, that there was going to be a proposal. He was wearing a tuxedo. No she one was else was wearing, wearing a tuxedo. Wearing a wedding I, I'll tell you yeah. the truth. Like, I'm a 30... Six year old dad, white guy. <laughs> oh, you're gonna like, own it. You're no, gonna own it no, like no. this. Wow. I, like I don't even want to hear my own take on Rihanna. Like just the thought of my own take on her is boring <laughs> to me. So, and I felt this way for years. Low self esteem. No, no, it's true. Like I love, I love rap music and uh, pop music, and you know music that's traditionally like the youth's music yeah and that's not <laughs> the youth the youth's music well, let, let's get your oxygen tank it's sort of just like it's it's kind of just like i i 
I'm a passive participant. I re- I recognize that. Why can't and, you be an active participant? Because I don't want to be. Like I don't think, <laughs> and I don't need to weigh. And this is something I feel a lot actually. Um, there's, I feel like sometimes there's like a pressure to weigh in on things like the yeah, VMA. Hot takes. Yeah, and I don't do that because I don't think that I have anything really to add. It's not for me to comment on. Really? Yeah. That's such a strange uh, opinion. Is it? Well, you have an, an, an opinion that you don't have any, you, it's not for you to comment on the VMAs because it's the youth's music. It's just And you not, also have an opinion yeah. that it's not for you to comment on musicians. Negatively. Because, negatively, because yeah. plenty of other people do it. Yeah. I feel like you're shirking a lot of responsibility. No, I think I have My a pretty- Your view is like you're, you're, you're uh, veering around- your responsibility. Yeah, I just no. It's I think I have a I have a I think I have a pretty highly refined sense of what I call share with all. That's a word I came up with. <laughs> My sense of share with all. What okay? is that? What is that? Share with all is the innate sort of feeling of what you should put out there on you know Twitter or wherever. Like someone who has a terrible sense of share with all would post a photo of like a woman in her bridal gown before the wedding started. Uh-huh. That's terrible. Share so, with all. Share with all. It's like wherewithal. Uh, you know, I get, I get, get the, uh, yeah. I get the uh, attachment. And some people the... like who just you know are just constantly. It's like oversharing. It's it's sometimes sometimes but sometimes oversharing is good. Like if your audience likes that, and if you're oversharing like in a really interesting, vulnerable, emotional way that resonates, oversharing isn't a bad thing, right? Um, I don't. I don't think I'd be good at that, so I don't do that. Share with all. I don't oversharing, but yeah. share with all is a kind of stand-in for oversharing. It can be, but not necessarily. Well, okay, what Some, is it? So define you could, it. You then could, define you it. You could to tweet me. once every three years and do something like really tasteless, what and is, you'd have a terrible sense of share with all. So uh, is that how you use it? Yeah, a sense of share with all. Correct. Like I tweet all day long, but I don't feel like I'm tweeting anything too personal. It's what not necessarily that fall. It's it's fine. It's just like, you know how some people, you're just like, D- take the phone away. The people who are just like, take the phone away. Give me from that Donald Trump. Donald, Donald Trump. He's a, sh- he's a, sh- he's his, a share his, with all His problem? tweet about Dwayne Wade's cousin being killed <laughs> and why you should vote for for him yeah. is a h- perfect example of like a horrible sense. Of, that's not a thing he should have shared with his 11 Bad million Bad sense followers. of share with all. He has a horrendous sense of share with all. Who else? Um, who else? Anyone who's gotten in trouble? How about Anthony Weiner? How about the? <laughs> I mean, no yeah. good. Bad yeah. share with all. Horrible. You yeah. think? Absolutely. But it's all yeah. DMs. I mean, he's keeping it private. That's true. <clears throat> so, but my se- but, <laughs> yeah. but my se- actually, yeah. I'm sorry. Let's just veer for a second. Sure. Anthony Weiner just had a new scandal, which actually st- which started during the VMAs. Now, did, were you aware of that at all? Uh, let me ask you this. I I actually this is a testament to how washed i feel like i am is like i i live and die by twitter moments now that's fucked up and horrible i know very bad for you i i agree twitter moments is not even a thing i i I look at it all the time i look at it all the time it's like you're letting someone else browse for you no it's like putting your browser on autopilot i I agree but it's also the (laughs) only place that i find certain news stories you know like that are outside of my network so did you find the anthony weiner story i did okay through my own network last night uh was this morning yeah someone started joking like it's never a good thing when anthony weiner's trending on twitter and then i was like (laughs) what what did he yeah right it's not like he's running for president that's not gonna happen yeah um 
but uh, Laura and I had a, Laura, my wife, had a long conversation last night about this because we thought the most shocking item was uh, he's co-sleeping with his son. Was his son sleeping? I know, <laughs> I, I know that he posted a photo with him in bed. <clears throat> yeah, I, I do think. Well, let's just say this. I mean, I think if you're not caught up on the Anthony Weiner, I'm going to sure. catch the listener up because they may not know. Though usually the tomorrow listener is very well informed about all important events occurring in the world. Paul, you would agree, wouldn't you? Yep. Um, Ryan, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yes, excellent. So <laughs> it's good that everybody They're skipping says, this part of the show. <clears throat> they're definitely so, fast forwarding. Yeah. But uh, twenty seconds. Out of See you in thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> is that is a thirty second skip? I do it's twenty. 15, but I, think, I do twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do I like twenty. I like a ten. I skip. do twenty forward, ten back. Interesting. I do tw- I do 15 each way because then I know four taps and I'm a minute. Yeah. Wow. Great stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Great tips. But uh, Anthony Weiner uh, was DMing with a young lady who is apparently a right wing, hardcore right wing Trump supporter. Hmm. I think, I think, unless I'm mistaken, Ryan. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Interesting. <clears throat> who is trapping him. But he's easy to trap. He's like, a, that's like putting a mound of peanut butter out for a, for a mouse. I, let me His explain. DMs have been open mice until. Love, let me be clear. Mice love peanut butter. I don't know if you're yeah, aware of yeah. that. That's, you could could have went with cheese. In the, that was the old. That's the old mice. Uh, the, the young mice. Cheese. cheese. <laughs> that's the grandparents. Cheese does nothing yeah. for. Uh, yeah. Actually, can I speak from experience? Sure. Do you have you ever had mice? Yes. What do you put out for them? Peanut butter. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't fuck with cheese. That's bullshit. That's some like cartoon Tom bullshit. Tom and Jerry. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> Tom and Jerry. That's some like lie that we've been told our entire lives that big, mice love a cheese. piece of Swiss cheese. Just throw that Listen, out. Listen, Josh, between fuck. the anvils and the cheese, that is reality. They don't give a fuck about Swiss cheese. You want to catch a mouse, and I mean catch and then release, as I do, because I love all animals. They're just going to come right back, Josh. Catch and release with peanut butter. At any rate, speaking of peanut butter, Anthony Weiner <laughs> couldn't resist the peanut butter of this uh, hardcore right wing. Why were his DMs open? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I heard that um, that's Uma fine. is separating from oh, him. You heard this. This guy's like, you're living in some kind of a New York Times life. Now, one thing I'll say about Jesse. Yeah. One of my earliest memories about Jesse Cohen is that he had this ritual where he would, on Sundays, would go and have brunch with his friend, mm. uh, Yoni. Uh-huh. And they would, like, read the New York Times together, the Sunday New York <laughs> no. Times. Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's your impression of that? That was an early really? thing that I knew about you, and I always thought was, like, so specific. And I think because I invited you to brunch or something. Yeah. And you were like, no, 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 I go to brunch with Yoni, and we read the New York Times. Is really? that true or not, not true? Not true. Not true. Oh, but so it's just a lie he made up to get out of going to brunch with me. I think it's just like a fake memory. I don't think so. Of yours. <laughs> very specific. And I have a bad memory. I'll, I will cop to a bad memory. I'm agreeing with that. But that one... Yeah. Stands out to me as very specific. Uh, Did you go to brunch with Yoni? I have. On yeah, a regular not, basis? No. Really? Yes. Did you ever read the New York Times at brunch on a Sunday? Maybe, but not by design. Well, I think you must have made up a lie to avoid going to brunch with me in that case. That's possible. Which I which I took as a basically like your staple. You're like, oh, it's okay. He's He can't go because he has this thing that yes, he does. That's exactly that's right. That's the only way I think it's Laura, okay and I think Laura, and no. I think Laura would back this up, actually, that I, this is a thing. I was like, I, oh, no, Jesse yeah. goes to brunch with the young and they yeah. read the New York Times and so or whatever. So it's fine that he can't come to. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I think that right. was okay. Yeah, maybe you're misremembering. Is that possible? No, okay. this is like a courtroom, and you're cross like examining him on this. <laughs> it's fine. It's no big deal. At any rate, <clears throat> I'm shocked to learn that I was lied to. That's a, that's a big revelation. I've been for a, like about a decade. I've been assuming that that's what Jesse does on Sundays. And I assume that Hannah, I assume that Hannah and the baby would interrupt, interrupt that in some way, but maybe it's not a failed affectation. One of those things you like try, yeah. try on yeah. your personality for a month and it doesn't fit. I actually, on the way back, Laura and I were coming back from vacation this week and we went and took a little trip to Shelter Island okay. and uh, we bought a, a Times Sunday Times and she refused to read the real estate section to me. I was like, let's hear that real estate yeah. section. She was like, no, it's depressing. I'm not reading it. It's the worst. I love it. Yeah. That's the most insane part of that paper. The hunt. By far. The hunt. By the, far. The, the editorial the board there is just fucking crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I love the hunt. Yeah. So good. It's like they wanted a three bedroom with a lot of sun. And they only had $12,000 a month budgeted. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> or when they say like trend alert, young people are moving into poor areas. <laughs> it's 2016. Speaking of, speaking of skewed memories, I remember you either tweeting or speaking to me about that the New York Times real estate section was only written for like the richest New York, like it was written for only for rich people. Would you have said that? That's what we're saying right now together. I'm saying it all makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you guys are feeling when you read it. To me, it's like, of course they're having that problem. Who hasn't, who, no one wants a sunken living room. Actually, I would love a sunken living room. Yeah, I would <laughs> love a sunken living room. What, what, what do I they do? I really see you in a sunken living room. What do they do? Room? Actually, here's a question. What do yeah. they do with the sunken living rooms? Did they they just put wood over them? Like, where do they go? Where's the sunken part of the, the living room? I think the unsunken part is the part you're getting back. I think the sunken part is like a it's something they built. Like, they put the stairs in and the level in. And when they take those stairs out, you're getting a few more feet to your ceiling. Wait, I'm confused. I see what you're saying you're saying that the the, the part that seems not sunken, sorry, the the unsunken is fake. That's a that yeah. that's a facade. They build it. That's up all a so dream. They can sink. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. You don't think they sunk and then build up? No. no. That Megan Draper said, "I, I want mean, a sunken living room oh, in a regular apartment," and then they made it into that for her. Yeah. Okay, but I don't think by raising Mad the floor, Men, raising think, the floor. I don't think Mad Men can be used as a kind of historical evidence of yes, it can on this podcast. <laughs> in that case, all right. Anyhow, we should take a quick break. And we'll be back with more uh, Jesse Cohen and whatever it is we're talking about, which to me is deeply confusing and part and a little bit upsetting. Wildly. (laughs) (laughs) Wildly upsetting. This week's episode of Tomorrow is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your snail mail to the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7. And it integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for business over to the digital world, but we still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail, which I, I have to be honest, disgusts me on several levels. I can't stand physical mail touching my hands. Luckily, with Earth Class Mail, you get all of your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get a real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your front door if you run your business from home. 
Ryan's checked out Earth Class Mail and he thinks it's a brilliant solution that's perfect for businesses and independent entrepreneurs of all types, even types like him. Visit earthclassmail.com and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up using promo code TOMORROW. That's earthclassmail.com and offer code TOMORROW. Tomorrow is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to tomorrow and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? And did I mention it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your City Card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible city consumer credit and debit cards. We're back with Jesse Cohen, host of No Effects. Uh, not uh, like the band, but the words. And... Uh, a member of the band Tan Lines. Correct. So I want to talk to you about music, actually. Sure. Uh, you have very strong opinions about streaming. Actually, we were talking about streaming a little bit in the break, but uh, you and I, nobody heard that because it was during the break, and they were listening to great ads that support, <laughs> that make this podcast a reality. Uh, but uh, recently I was talking about, actually last week I was talking um, about the, the streaming, the pressure of streaming and how fucked up everything is now because there's these weird exclusives and uh, that I feel backed into a corner by like, if someone has a new release, like the Frank Ocean mm -hmm. release that I've got to like, Oh, I've got to subscribe to this service or whatever. And I think it's very bad anyhow, but let's, let's talk about like as a musician, mm -hmm. you've got firsthand experience with the streaming, uh, the streaming world. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. How's it been for you? I am. I am. Pro, I'm, I'm, I'm. You're pro streaming. Yeah, I, I think in general it's about as good of a time to do music now as ever. I would say I think it's a very good time to be doing music. Not making money at it. No, making money at it. Not really. It's it's might not be a great time to be selling records per se. I, I draw a distinction between the like record business and the music business. And as a musician, you know, selling isn't isn't mu isn't the phrase music business. I don't even like that phrase. Yeah, <clears throat> but isn't it? Doesn't it represent the concept that that musicians are in a business? Well, yeah, uh, but so is there? So what's the what's the selling records is just a part of it, and the selling records yeah, but selling is records a, is like not a thing that happens anymore. Correct. I mean, it does. Like you can say, oh, SoundScan. Right says X amount of records were sold, but that's yeah. sort of a ridiculous metric because everybody streams or downloads now. Correct. Like nobody's physically buying a record. That's right. But that that revenue stream uh, for the record, the recording, is still the record business. Whether it's someone buying it at a Best Buy or whether it's somebody streaming it right. uh, four million times on Spotify. It's art. It's uh, art commerce. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, music commerce. It's a also something. Okay, so when I say it's a good time to be doing music, I'm putting that in a historical context, where meaning like the history of the record, but it's, it's being able to sell music is less than a hundred years old, right? The whole history of what preceded it selling sheet music, sheet music, but that's you know from the same era as the beginning of the record business. Before that, you know, being a musician was generally it was a job for. It was a job for itinerant sort of 
weird people. It was like being a chef or a cook. Or a podcaster. <laughs> was, Hi. Yeah, or a yeah. podcaster. Yeah. Well, this is like, you, this you is were like, a wedding musician. You traveled. You had a, you, it was not a great job. It wasn't no, a way It was to, like the theater was not considered a prestigious job. Like, nobody was like, oh. We're talking about minstrelsy. Yeah. I mean, in, to some degree. But I mean, I, I, there was like working class, less than working class in some way. Yeah. So the history of, you know, so in that context, like, then there was a big, I think the reason people are upset about streaming income is because there was a, about 30 years where people made a lot of money from selling records. A small amount of people made a lot of money. Yeah, a very right? small amount of, exactly. Like not, not like, it seemed like people were making good money, but it was like 20 people. Yeah, exactly. And mostly yeah. of those people were label lawyers. <laughs> right. I mean, it's why, it's why music trends weren't dictated by music. They were dictated by executives and labels and yeah and, and now there are still those stakeholders it's, it's a lot of them are you know St spotify or apple or there are still those decisions are, are still being made by uh large corporations sure big machines by big machines like big machine uh taylor swift's label see you in court <laughs> <laughs> but um as somebody who makes music you know it's right now you have an opportunity to just reach more people than ever before. Well, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I think it's an incredible time to be an artist. It's an I mean, incredible time. I mean, I, I, I do think monet from a monetary perspective, we, I mean, there is this kind of idea that the expectation that you should make money from being an artist seems almost insane. Like in our, in the world that we know, in the capitalist society that we live in, or capitalistic, I think either apply here. Mm -hmm. The idea that that making art should be profitable seems like kind of ludicrous, right? Like it's a uh, it's a vague commodity. It's a kind of like ephemeral and ethereal idea. Art is not a permanent. It's like a oh let me. Tr it's like not like oh, oh yeah this art. My family is eating this art. Like they're finally able to sustain themselves. It's like. Um, it it doesn't mean anything unless you apply meaning to it in the sense that art is not, it can be edifying, it can be joyous, it can be depressing, whatever, but it's not like, it doesn't have a, it, well, no, it seems I, I, like a luxury, but it doesn't have a kind of like. I don't, I believe, and I think you're talking about art, including music and mm -hmm. film and mm -hmm. everything. I define art, I think the what art is, is it's, art's job is to make people feel things. Yeah. It's but, job but, is to. But feelings don't, feed your family and they don't clothe you and they, they don't, don't house you. But you, but at the you same can't, time, you, you can't, can't trade a feeling for something else. At the same time as humans, we can't live without it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some uh, sci-fi films where everybody's on, everybody's on some kind of drug. As shitty as this sounds, it's like that Carrie Bradshaw thing where she was like, I used to buy Vogue instead of dinner because it fed me more. And that's like a shitty thing, but I sometimes will pay for my streaming services as a broke person and just eat shitty food because... I'd rather be in the conversation. I, I, I say, I'm saying Vogue versus dinner is a bull. I mean, Carrie Bradshaw can say that because she's a made up character in a fantasy world, but a real person can't say that. They're like, I can feed my family or buy a, of an issue of Vogue and they're going to feed their family. Yeah. But there was art and culture in every society in the, throughout the history of the world way before it was a commodity. I agree. So that to me says that as human civilization, we've evolved to, demand and need it in some form or another. I don't disagree with that at all. Right. But, so, mm -hmm. but it's not, 
It doesn't have real value. Well, what I agree with is that it's always been a very tricky thing to commodify, right? It's right. it's not it's come with and people have get very upset about when it's commodified in a way that they feel is that's what's selling it. They get upset if they feel like it's means something to me and it's being treated wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because, I- be, precisely because its job is to make us feel things, right? Right. So when that's so it feels like you're bastardizing it, something that's really to, important to, to me. commodify to make it into a sellable thing. Right. So if when it's done in a way that tweaks people, it hurts them more than other things. Right. Um, so I'm not sure exactly why we're talking about that right now, but I feel like I made uh, <laughs> I, I made either. my case. I don't know either. But uh, wait, how do we get on this subject? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't it come into like the economy of like. Lots of people can make a very little amount of money on podcasts or YouTube instead of like Diana Ross being a multimillionaire off of a few hit songs. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. That's the difference in scale. Well, and you I were think- saying it's a great time to be. You right. were saying it's a great time to be a musician, right? And it's a great time for music, and, and, it's and a that's hard true time to sell records. And that's true in the sense of if you make music and want your your sound to be heard, yeah. There's never been a more immediate and direct. And uh, a massive mechanism to allow that to happen. That's right. And it's also, we've never had music moguls before, like now, like we have now. For example, Jay Z, Puff Daddy. I mean, those are some of the original. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is approaching mogul status. Why is Taylor Swift not a mogul? I just, I'm not sure what she owns in terms of other of businesses associated with her. <laughs> she has her own, yeah, she owns her what about own. about Kanye? Music. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, uh, cares very much about being. What about, uh, Michael Buble? I don't know if he was a mogul or a very successful we, musician. We don't know. Yeah. What about Dave Matthews? Mogul. <laughs> I wouldn't call him a mogul. No. <laughs> you would? No. You don't think he's made massive amounts of money and yeah, controls he has. a huge amount I of. Think, uh, oh, yeah. I, I so, think what's the definition of a mogul? A mogul is a person who has gone from just being a very successful musician to also being a uh, boss and having ownership stakes. A diversified in, yeah. portfolio. Yeah. Dave Matthews yeah. to me. I don't know enough to know. Maybe he owns his touring operation or something. How about the Rolling but, Stones? I don't, maybe, Metallica? probably. Metallica. There are several of them is the point. And that's a rel- relatively new, the point is like, this is the first time that there's like, that's possible for a relatively large number. That's a small number. What about of the people. Colonel? The Colonel was a mogul. I mean, he, but he wasn't a musician. But he ran Elvis. Uh, yes. There have always been people like that. But what yeah. we have now are musician moguls. Right. And I think that it's a very good time to be doing music, but you have to have a little bit of that instinct in you to be successful. Yeah. And the people who are like pure, pure musicians are being left behind a little bit. Well, this relates very, very, I don't want to go back to the VMAs sure. too much, but did you, you did see Kanye's performance. Yeah. And he does, he does touch on this. Yeah. Pretty directly. Yeah. And he cites Walt Disney and Steve Jobs as his- as And Henry his, Ford, which- Henry Ford Found problematic as the <laughs> father of American anti-Semitism, but yeah, and Walt Disney's in there too. Oh, yeah, Walt Disney's in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but Kanye's talking about titans of industry. Yeah, uh, white, uh, racist, basically titans of industry, um, and comparing himself to them. Just for example, our band. I don't think our you know tan lines. I, 
the success that we've had, I don't think would have been possible in any other time in history of music. No, and, and if in the 1960s or 70s, people heard tan lines. No, they, they wouldn't have. Nobody would have heard them. No one would off. have heard it. Even you the, would have the, made it. In because, 2003, people wouldn't have heard our music. Well, I don't know. I mean, possibly. No, if, if a band yeah, like They would have downloaded it on Napster. Anything's possible. Remember Napster? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, a band like ours, you would have had to have been a person who listened to independent radio or read the alternative press or went to a music, an independent music store, if you even had one in your town. Right. It was like 12 people. No, uh, so it, it, that's true. I mean, it, the, the opportunity was tiny. Yeah. And- you know, even in the, like the MySpace era, the opportunity for people to actually like hear your music was small. Well, exposure was was um, hadn't figured out yet, right? Yeah. I mean, essentially, like broadcasting, you had a one to one relationship. Like you would be like, "Oh, I'm friends with this person" or whatever, but that was still word of mouth. It was still very direct. Yeah. And now we have, in some way, figured out how to broadcast a message. Yeah. And in broadcasting the message, it's allowed signals to get through that otherwise would not have made it. I agree. Right. And so tan lines could be one of those signals. Yeah. I mean, I still think there's a lot of problems. You know, it's it's very easy for people just to hear one song of ours, never know the artist who's doing it, never caring to find out the artist who's doing it, who who did that song and or exploring further. But I think that if you have 10 million people hearing the song, you reach a larger audience than you would in any other time and enough of those people are becoming fans. So what's, yeah. So what is the, so it's a good time to be a musician. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to be making music in the sense that you can have your, um, art heard. You can, exp- you can be, you can be, uh, you can expose that art to a lot of people, but is it a career? I mean, is it, is it, a, is it a job? Well, it has been mine for the last three years. Yeah, it's insane. And I don't know that that, <laughs> I, I don't know that, I mean, it's, it's a job, that's considered success, like in music. If you live off of it. Right. It's considered success. Is that right? I believe. That's the metric? I, I, I think, I think, I think a lot of, you're the exception. So, so I mean, uh, yeah, percentage wise, like uh, how many people live off their music? Very few, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, 99% probably never get there. Yeah, I mean, you have to really commit to it being your job. I mean, if even if you're, whether you're gigging, you know, and you're just a guy who gigs and does recording sessions, or whether you just have a band that you make your living off of, it's still a relatively small number of people who play of those who play music. I think. But it's like writing, like because of blogging and Twitter and blah 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 blah. Sometimes they have to step to take a step back and be like, I'm a freelancer who like lives off of this like i'm so lucky i shouldn't complain you know it's the same thing does this tie back into the sharing economy in some way <laughs> is maybe like, is this like uber like it was very hard to be make a living as a driver and now uber exists and so it's not so hard i think that there's a there's a comparison to make there and there are pro and, that, and that's a lot of where the problems are i mean you have to it, it, it selects for people who are good at um self-promotion 
right? Like, right. so people who are really talented who aren't it's like Dane, it's like a Dane Cook situation. They get left behind. They, right. Or like BuzzFeed personalities. The reason most of those people are employed is because they had a strong online brand. Anytime I got any freelance writing job, it's because they think my Twitter is funny. Your Twitter is funny. You're very good. Follow this guy on Twitter, I'll Ryan, throw, I'll throw Ryan Holohan. I'll throw don't, you a follow don't, after please the show. Don't, please He's very don't. good. Please, please follow him. There's a lot beg, of drag race content. I beg. There was actually, during the VMAs, way too much drag race content i can't help it it's my brand you know what <laughs> you don't do drag though do you i did a couple times in college but not did you have a like a character no i did a talent show and everyone was doing like i can play the spoons and i went in and i had brought backup dancers in a fog machine and i did a britney spears number and a nicole scherzinger number i did this one i did it one time in college for attention to get the most attention the, doing as drag. a joke yes and it was your, funny. And you, you didn't have a character no when I like a misbehave or something. No, I mean, if I had a name, it would probably be like Bay of Pigs. <laughs> what? B-A-E. B-A-E of oh. Pigs. You went to college recently. Um, based on oh, that name. Bay of Pigs. Yeah. is very good. <laughs> I mean, in some way, it makes no sense in a lot of other ways. Sure, none of them do. That or I would be... One of my favorite drag names, drag names is Karen from Finance. Um, and I would do something like that where I would just be Julia Wait, what Roberts. Is, what is because Karen? it's not copyrighted. <laughs> yeah. What is Karen from Finance? Just a person. She's an Australian drag queen. That's like, have you ever seen The Money Pit? Yeah. The, there's a band who performs in drag that Tom Hanks is their lawyer. Yeah. And they go up to him. They're like, we want to change our name. We want to change our name. He's like, I can't remember what their name is, but it makes a lot of sense for their act. What's and their name? I can't remember. Can you but Google that? They want to change their name to Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't change. Oh, it's like that's street. like that's like free beers. Like our band name is Free Beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like this whole idea. Well, that- I think it's a lot like how you wanted to use Julia Roberts. Well, I mean, and there have been like um, there's a, a Trinity K Bonet, which is Trinity Kardashian Bonet, and she's like Kardashian. You don't own the name. Like they own the copyright for products, but as somebody's name, right. you can be Trinity Kardashian Bonet. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. What if I change my name to Josh Kardashian? Would that be? I think that might be a little tougher because you're in media. You can't do it? Josh? Uh, well, judges have to Joshua approve it. Judges R. have to approve it. And judges can say no to you. But it has to go to court. Yeah. That's a huge publicity move right there. Black China knows what's up. She'd do it. Is she changing her name? Find the name? Yeah, she's going to be becoming Angela Kardashian. Angela Kardashian. Have you seen the new paper cover? No. Black China's on it. Okay. She's pregnant. I can pull it up. With Rob Kardashians. How is this the fucking pinnacle of, of society at this point that we've got the Kardashian child is meaningful? <laughs> no, I mean, my one of my goals in life in general is to age gracefully. And oh, I think it's really working out for you. Is it? Yeah, I guess so. I, I just, I never want to be aged to me. So I just never want to be the guy who laments what people are interested you in. You want to be like, a, just like, fuck the 90s. That's bullshit. Like, you don't want to be that guy, of course, obviously. Uh, yeah, I just... I. It, but you can have opinions. You can there, age and have opinions. Of, like, I don't... Can ma- you not fucking hate new music? Of course I can. So do you? Uh, Yeah, there's songs I hear that Such I... Such as? Like, um, you don't want to say it out loud? Uh, What's the group called? Um, DNC. 21. Cake by, Cake by the Ocean. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a terrible right? song. They're yeah, fucking completely ter- detestable. You yeah. know, you know. Yeah, that's not. Well, look, it's not for one me. of the Jonas Brothers. You know that, right? Did you know Isn't that? that group? Yeah, oh, Joe Jonas, right? Yeah. 
Yes. Joe Jonas. Yeah, he the, made that band only so that he could have resubmit himself for Best New Artist. He won categories. Best New Artist last really? night at the VMAs. Yeah, Joe Jonas. Yeah, that's a that's yeah, Cake that's by the Ocean is detestable. The Fat Jew. I mean, the fat Jew hanging around. You know the fat Jew, yeah. is, of course. Fat Jew who owes me money because he stole some jokes of mine. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yep. Congratulations. Look at you. Getting Thanks. picked up by the fat Jew. That's a real compliment to be ripped off by one of the best. <laughs> I mean, honestly. That and what is it? Fuck, what's that guy? Fuck Tony or whatever his name is. Fuck Jerry. So. Fuck Jerry. Fuck Jerry. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Right. How did fuck Jerry avoid all of the criticism that the fat Jewish guy? He's not, he's not successful. They not have, successful. No, no. They're, Does he have a fucking book? Does he have a book? They're equally, Does he have wine? They have, they have equal numbers of followers. Does uh, fuck Jerry have a book? I, I don't he know. He's a publicist. He's trying to. He got a. He got Ryan. a pilot deal with Comedy Central Ryan. based on other people's jokes, oh, and that's why he got in trouble. Does, does fuck Jerry have a book? No. Does he have wine? No. Did you hear the story behind that wine? No. This is interesting. No. He started that wine called White Girl Rosé with yeah. this girl he knew who ran an account that was like him. Uh, it was based on her, but a friend started this account that was like, you know, I'm a white, I'm white girl problems or whatever. But it was based on her complaining, so they cut her into the deal. And then right before it was over, they just removed her from the deal, signed all the papers, and said to her, "Oh my gosh, a legal hiccup. We'll get back to you." They never got back to her. So these two guys are making all this money from white girl Rose. You know, white girl problems. White is, girl is problems the, is the person. It's a guy. It's a guy who's making fun of a girl he knew, and they and so she's suing them, saying that's my life story or something. She's trying to make some money. I think on this it. exposes Whoa. the meaninglessness of twitter and wow. it, the people who participate in twitter <laughs> including ryan Hulahan uh and myself i should hang out with ryan more i'm learning a lot i know so he's, this is also you know plugged into the whole useless, useless information no the entire world is happening and ryan knows about yeah. it yeah you're sitting you're sitting around with a, a kid baby a baby i, I know it's true <laughs> how, how old is your child now 10 months oh wow yeah how's it going He's great. He's like great. Him? Yeah, I don't talk about his name, by the way. I'm not. I was. Yeah. I was. I was avoiding. I, I forgot it. to mention that. Yeah. I was. Well, lucky for you, I was avoiding. I it. appreciate that. I thought. I feel Ishmael like it's, after Moby Dick, right? It's, I feel it's like it's, Ishmael Cohen. Ishmael Cohen, totally unexpected. No one saw that coming. Uh, I feel like you want to. I mean, I'm not a big. I mean, I'm not like radical transparency, mm-hmm. but when it comes to your kid. Mm-hmm. You have ownership of that situation for eighteen solid years. You can try to for a, for. Well, I think yeah. within like thirteen, yeah, you're good. It, I agree. At thirteen, who no fucking knows? Yeah, but you're not anywhere near there. Yeah, I mean, how? So you're a dad. I'm a dad. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's get sure. in, let's fucking get into this. Yeah, let's do it. Happy to. Here we go. We're both fathers. Yeah, Zelda. Yeah, whose name is out there? Out there, big time. How's it feel to have people you don't know sit, talking to you about Zelda? Well, it's very strange, actually. We had uh, uh, Aminatu So on the podcast recently. I don't know if you know her, but yep. I listened uh, to that one. Yeah, yeah, call your girlfriend. Yeah. Um, she, when I met her, she was like, "Oh, I, I, I love your daughter." I didn't know her at all. She knew Zelda very well. Yeah. It's um, I don't. You know what? In in a way, it's like. Yeah, why, of course you do. When you, you when you're a parent, mm-hmm. your whole world is the kid. So it seems obvious that everybody would kind of know how great your kid is or understand your kid. It's not surprising not to me. Strangers necessarily. I no, mean, I don't. It's strange. What, what is a stranger now? A person who you've never met yeah. that just follows you on social media. The the the, the whole um, 
hierarchy of strangers has alt- been altered. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people very well who I've never met. Yeah, that's true. Very well. Yeah. And I meet them and we have a dialogue that's totally, it's, it's deeply personal without any physical interaction sure. ever. And that's so that that's changes. That's person you know, though. Mm, kind of, but yeah. is it? Yeah. I mean, I interact with Aminatu on social media right. plenty of times before so I met her. Not a stranger. No. Well, but I mean, but but she is a stranger in the sense that uh, we had never been in the same room together. Sure. Which is, I think, your brain and your body have there's a kind of a discord there. Yeah, definitely. Where you know the person. Yeah. And you can hold that memory in your mind or whatever, but like, until she has you're an idea somewhere. of you, yeah, and it's not and just vice versa. And vice versa, yeah. yeah. And she might meet you in real life and fill in all the blanks and decide, you know what, it's not the person I thought I knew. Well, I, <laughs> I think it's quite the opposite. I, I had the good Jesse. fortune of knowing you in person first, <laughs> yeah, so that'll never happen. That could right. never happen. I know do exactly I, what I'm to expect. actually curious. Do I yeah. seem on the internet? The way I You're am exactly in person, the same. I think, I think, I think so. Am I? Yeah. yeah, like five minutes into meeting you, I was like, "Oh, I already know him," and you've never, you'd never met me, and I only knew you from the podcast. Yeah. yeah, but I was like, I feel like I know him. Well, the podcast is helpful, probably. So it fills in a lot of blanks. Just me just spewing for an hour and a half straight. It's mm-hmm. probably very useful. Um. So I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I the the kid thing. I, so yeah, how does it feel for people to who you? Not, she's a bad example because she's someone you've interacted with. I mean, Who? like my child. No, I'm not to. Yeah, I'm not okay. to. There are probably a lot of other people who you've never met. Oh, who yeah, just, no, no, people, people all the time are commenting on like Instagram. Exactly. They're like, yeah, Zelda. Whoa, how does nice. that feel? It's it fucking disturbing. Exactly. It feels invasive and upsetting. Yeah, and um, you know, it's. I think that human beings have a really good way of building up these. Uh, these walls virtual or otherwise where they feel like that stuff's not real. Like this is there's outside the wall and inside the wall, right? Like you're in the room or you're out the outside of the room. And I think that for, for, uh, for me, you know, I, I don't consider it that much. I just say, well, Oh, it's a person on the internet. Yeah. It only, it only crosses over into, my reality in the worst kind of lifetime movie nightmare fantasies based on the milk carton. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it doesn't matter until you imagine it mattering. And then you're just using some kind of bad script that you saw on cable television. I, I had a couple of reasons I didn't want to put my son on social media. Um, Your I, son I talk Tony, about him on my podcast. Tony Cohen. I talk about him on my podcast, and I and I do put, you fuck yeah, Jerry Cohen, <laughs> Jerry Cohen, fuck, fuck Jerry Cohen, <laughs> yeah. your child. Um, and I put him on Snapchat, but I have like twenty followers, and I know all of them. So, um, yeah, very intimate. One reason was because I was actually inspired by the comedian Chelsea Peretti, who got a dog and has never mentioned the name of her dog, and. I thought Let's, that was dis- very full disclosure. Chelsea yeah. Peretti, the sister of Jonah Peretti, yeah. the founder of BuzzFeed. I'm glad you disclosed that. <laughs> That's that very helpful disclosure. Well, our, disclosure, our disclosure. Yeah. BuzzFeed and the outline share an investor. Okay. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Wow. There, there it is. Ari. 
And then the shout shout out to RRE, great investor. And then the other <laughs> nameless investor. No, they're very good. Yeah. Very good. And then the other thing, and I was like, that makes sense in some way, abstract way, and I think it's cool. And then the other thing was, <laughs> there are so I like the, like how Chelsea Brady's dog has nobody yeah, knows would, anything about I, it. My it, child should be like Chelsea Brady's dog, but her listeners will try to trick it out of her. But she's very committed to saying yeah, that's private. She'll podcast, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. call Chelsea it's Brady. Great. Jesus, and I don't know anything about. It's I, really I good. It. It's very infrequent now. Is it uh, good? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and then what's it about? People just call. And People she talks call to her, and she has a soundboard of like ironic sort of sound effects of her jingles and stuff, and she just sort of interacts <laughs> with them based on that. So they'll say things it's like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, oh, what are you doing? Well, I went to Annie Ann's and I got a pretzel, and then I was calling my aunt who has cancer, and she'll just play like, "This is very boring." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just feel like this. That, you realize how that, I realize how poor this podcast really is. Would you? The effort that's going to Chelsea Peretti's podcast. Do you oh, want a soundboard? No, please, <laughs> kind no. Of, kind of. Uh, you want the the Van Halen soundboard, <laughs> the David Lee Roth soundboard? <laughs> I fucking wish. That'd be so good. Um, Anyhow, sorry, go ahead. And then the other reason was like, I was thinking about the people who you're like, oh, that guy has a kid. I didn't even realize that person had a kid. I can't name anyone specifically. Uh, who falls Dave, in that David Lee Roth probably who falls in that category I don't know I don't know uh, Ryan okay he's just gonna Google and <laughs> my so, dad is the world's preeminent David Lee Roth fan really that strikes me as not Allen. totally surprising actually <laughs> weirdly for some reason I don't know why but because we both like men in drag <laughs> <laughs> but um bah that's a little I'm on tonight a little vaudeville there but it's okay I'll allow it I am on and yeah I'm go on be. So yes, he's trying to make it important. No kids. Point. No, he has kids. He has uh, Amy, <laughs> Kevin, and Brenna. Okay, but again, Kevin. these are all <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Roth. Kevin Lee Roth. <laughs> I love I that. Love. In that era, if you're a rock star, you could name your kid Kevin. If you're a rock star, if you're a rock star in 2015, you can't name your kid Kevin. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got to be like it's got to be like a potato or something. Yeah, Apple, I love, I love, I love the That's, idea. <laughs> Can you say I'm, I love this? You're like no, no kids, no kids. Oh, he has three kids: Kevin, Brianna, and Tony. Because I couldn't Kevin. believe that Kevin was one of the kids. I Kevin. thought that was his brother, Kevin Lee Roth. Is that the name? Kevin, just Kevin, Kevin Roth. Roth. He goes by okay. Kevin Roth. Yeah. Where's the and then, Lee? Where's the Lee's middle name? Well, yeah. Avi goes okay. by Avi Lee Roth, and Brenna goes by Brenna Lee Roth. Kevin Lee Roth, who wrote a book called Between the Notes. Wait, is Kevin Lee? He's just Kevin Roth, and he wrote this book called Between the Notes. Hmm. Oh, look at this idiot. <laughs> Poor David Lee Roth. I wish my dad could get me a book deal. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? All right. Anyhow, go on. So, yeah. Basically, no, I just, I, I, my instinct after having him was just to not uh, put him out there. I don't know why. And at what point is he allowed to be out there? Uh, I mean, on his own? I don't he has know. to make I a decision even, about it. He's 10 months old. But, I, you, but you share... Uh, the occasional Instagram. My wife does. Overstep my. No, she's I an adult boundaries. person. You know, she's. Well, she puts him on Instagram. Yeah. And then I've and definitely she, seen you with him on Snapchat. Snapchat, where I have twenty. That's why I sign up for Snapchat. Why well, share those Snapchats with my Instagram followers? No, is, you that, don't. is that a problem? <laughs> I have twenty thousand followers. Is that does that strike you as problematic? I I screen cap the Snapchats of that I put my, the, of like, my I'm child. Like, Look at this beautiful kid. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would say that's a poor <laughs> share with all. Well, <laughs> don't you get a moment of panic anytime anyone adds you on Snapchat where you're like, should this person see anything? They wait, can't wait, see you anything a, unless you, you follow no- them back. Do you get a notification about that? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you get added friends. You like pull it down and yeah. it says people who added but, you. Well, I don't oh, my settings, they can't see anything unless I, f- unless I add them back. Yeah, yeah, that's what you think. But uh, once I get it on my Instagram. Uh, you know, why can't you change your username on Snapchat? You can, can you? No, you can't. Are we stuck with what you got? What do you have? LeBron Hubbard. (laughs) That's fucking great, though. What do you want to change that for? I just... (laughs) LeBron (laughs) Hubbard. What's your, Ryan? What's yours? I'm Ryan Houlihan on everything but Facebook. Yeah. I'm Joshua Topolsky. That's because you're the next generation. You're the generation where it was cool to just get your name. Oh, yeah. I'm the generation where you you would come up with like a funny name. I have have the same name. I had AIM just like anybody else. This actually proves. That doesn't, you know. This proves to me that I'm uh, youthfully minded because my handle is Joshua Topolsky on pretty much everything. But you're a thought leader when it comes to these (laughs) situations. That is very true, actually. Uh, Kind of a think-fluencer when you think about it. Absolutely. Uh, So you knew. Well, I was like, you know what? Your sheep have to follow you. You knew Uh, which way the winds were. To bring them home. Yeah. Actually, the people who are interested in my content are very uh, freewheeling, open-minded, and independent. You're a foundluencer. I think of myself as kind of a Breitbart meets... Uh, a Milo Yiannopoulos. I'm like a Breitbart meets the blaze kind well, of... Now, I don't... Can I ask you about Breitbart? The, Please Andrew do. Breitbart was Jewish, right? Who? Andrew, is that his name? The founder of Breitbart? Andrew I mean, Breitbart? I mean, he's... I don't know what he was. I think he was Jewish. He might have been Jewish, but he's a detestable person. So. I know, but it's just... I don't know I don't know enough about Breitbart to What understand. does it matter if he was Jewish? Because yeah, it, it's, he is a... Uh, his adoptive mother converted to Judaism when marrying his adoptive father. He had a bar mitzvah, a, and he is now identifies as Jewish. Or did. He did. It, he yeah, did. That's more like but it. I just want to know how that it became a site of the, uh, you know... Uh, can I tell you? Yeah. Uh, people who align with uh, hardcore right-wing uh, thought and policy are their rhetoric and their um, religion is not centered around anything as as uh, temperate as Judaism or Christianity. It's centered around power. And so I don't think that Breitbart's interested in what the Jewish religion considers. You, you know, I've heard you talk about being Jewish and uh, I <laughs> have you. Yeah. And I think, and I'm curious and we're probably going to run out of time. If we, there is no, there this. is no out of time okay. on this podcast, but I've heard you describe, you say that because you're an atheist, you're not Jewish. Correct. No, I haven't said that. I'll, but you, an atheist can be Jewish. I'm socially Jewish. I'm socially Jewish and yeah. religiously completely atheist. That right. Okay. Very simple. All right. So I'm the same. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. most Jews are. To yeah. be honest, with of most course. most of the Jews I know are like, oh, God's ridiculous. But, That's but, an insane. But, but idea. even conservative Judaism, sort of the more liberal areas, and then up, most rabbis would say, even if you're an atheist, you can come to services and not believe yeah. or not do anything. Of you're still you're a, very Ju- good at negotiating. Can I just that? say, Judaism? Yeah, we can tell God he's yeah. wrong. In my yeah. understanding, and this could be wrong, by the way, because I'm not an expert. But my understanding of Judaism as a religion is. It actually wants it wants and allows for atheism in a really clear way. Yes, the idea mm. of Judaism is not a reward at the end of your life. Mm. It is that like the reward for being uh, good 
and 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 following the doctrine of the religion is like a good life. Yes. And which which means that like when you don't put a like a heaven or hell situation at the at the back end of what you do, it's kind of like it leaves a lot open to interpretation. It doesn't leave interpretation is the essence of like Jewish culture. <laughs> like right. Judaism's but, whole thing is that you can say to God, uh, "I have an opinion. God has an opinion. Let's get a third. <laughs> there are stories like that in the Talmud. Yeah, that specifically do that. But I was, by the way, I was a Yiddish archivist for ten years. Um, this is true. When Jesse was working on the Professor but, Murder record. Yeah. He was only available at in limited hours, yeah, because he was archiving ancient, not ancient, not, ancient. not really ancient, historic, historic, <laughs> like Yiddish documents that were photographs, yeah, hundred, two hundred years old, yeah. But I, 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 I think of an actually religious Jew would disagree with you. I think they would say that you do, you know, you do need to believe in God and you do need to follow the certain rules. Well, religious people believe all kinds of fucked up shit, right? But I do think that the entire culture has been a collaborative process. Well, here's what I know: I am, I am the way I am. My parents were not atheists; they were. Not deeply religious, but they, they would were, mumble the prayers. They were they yeah, were practicing mum- mumblers. They were practicing Jews. I yeah. am. I have been surrounded by people in my life, certainly in the last twenty years or so, by Jewish people who were raised in totally different ways. You're a great example, but have arrived at a similar conclusion, which is like they're socially Jewish but religiously kind of atheist. Yeah, and um, something in the religion, whatever the fuck it is has allowed for interpretation at a more diverse and varied level than I think a lot of religions All allow of for. the practices that are prescribed in Jewish in Judaism in the in the in the inaction of the religion come from the Talmud which is a book of interpretation. So in that very premise there's the idea that it's open to interpretation. <laughs> it's like the original forum war. Right? Like it just it keeps is. going. It is. It's exactly it's right. When you think about yeah. it, Talmud is like is like Reddit. It's, like it's a, a lot like Reddit, and different rabbis upvote each other. Believe me, they wish that you could. And and if they if they could have had hyperlinks, they would have. I'm surprised that they it would have <laughs> saved everyone a lot of time. That. Yeah. Please see this section. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I I do think that. Um, you know, I, I I have no explanation for it except to say that uh, <laughs> this. Th- I mean, being... well, I have an explanation for that. Do you? Yeah, it's because we're a diaspora diaspora culture. So it was a people that were spread out, and all they had with them was their book. Okay. Yeah. And so they sat there with their book for a thousand years, and that's how they created their own separate identity wherever they lived was through interpretation of that of that book. Yeah, but the book was the same, wasn't it? It changed over oh, everywhere it went. That's also why there are different practices and different What's among so Jews. It's incredible. I know I know two Jews, Ryan Houlihan and Leah Finnegan. Yeah. <laughs> two completely yeah. separate people who have no relationship with Whereas Sheldon Adelson has a very Jewish name and is in the meanwhile. I, I can't speak to that, but all I know is He's the largest Jewish GOP yeah. donor. Anyhow, we should wrap up. This has been a long, meandering, totally uh, pointless, and highly entertaining podcast. Yes. One of my favorites of all time, which I never say ever. It's <laughs> uh, an original line from me. Jessica Code, you can find him in the band Tan Lines. 
Or if you're really into podcasts, no effects, that's a no effects, the regular spelling, iTunes.com, or uh, you could check out your favorite podcast app. <laughs> but <laughs> iTunes.com works. <laughs> Just hit, just hit iTunes. <laughs> iTunes.org. Just jump right in there. <laughs> and uh, that's, we'll be back, uh, you know, with more. Uh, Jesse, you gotta, you, gotta, <laughs> you have to return to the podcast. Anytime. One of these days. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. Great stuff. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Although your family has been lured into very large traps with peanut butter as the bait. And I fear they will never escape.